is in the stool? Y'all think I need the stool or am I okay? With it? <laughs> Six foot five is he? <laughs> Let me get signed in here. So, it, one note about about the introduction: it is Clemson, um, and the the actual bio he read was actually from what January of 2020, because I was coming out here early last year, and then COVID kind of messed that up. So I've actually been with Assurance for 34 years. But here's the thing. Three days before my 34th anniversary with Assurance, another company purchased us. So I've been with them for two weeks. I don't know what that means. Um, Eddie and I met in, in a men's conference in Atlanta back in October of 2019. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in that weekend, and, you know, kind of how this came to be. But, uh, you've heard my bio, so you know I'm a Falcons fan. I like other sports, but football is my favorite. And if you know anything about the Falcons, they're not good. <laughs> um, and since they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, after they, they were leading 28-3 to in the third quarter. And as the Falcons are always capable of doing, they choked. And they lost. So I've heard a lot of jokes, from, especially from Patriots fans, about you know how bad that game was, how good it was for them and bad for the Falcons. The best one I heard was this. What, what is the difference between a $1 bill and the Atlanta Falcons? The $1 bill is worth four quarters. It's good for four quarters. <laughs> on, the, on the college side of things, I'm the, I, am a, I am a Clemson or a Clemson fan, depending on how you want to say it. Um, my brother actually was a freshman on Clemson's 1981 National Championship team. So he got to... Play. We got to go to the Orange Bowl and all that fun kind of stuff, and my email just disappeared. Um, speaking of sports, just so you guys get a little bit of my background, um, I grew up playing sports. I played football on and off but most of my childhood. I played basketball the whole time. It's my favorite sport to play. Um, and then I, I ran track, so I was in all the sports and doing all the things that, that kids do. So I wasn't very good. So everybody asks me when I tell when I tell them I'm six five, and they say, "Did you play basketball?" Well, it depends on what you mean by it. If you if you're asking me if I played after high school, the answer is no. Um, I was not good enough. I have no issue with saying that. Um, the other thing I can clearly remember about my childhood is that my parents took us to church every Sunday. Every Sunday of my life, I can't remember not going. And most of the time, we would go on Sunday morning and go back on Sunday night. So we went twice every Sunday. And during that time period of my life, I learned a lot about God. And I'm using the word learn because it wasn't sinking in. I heard it, and I knew what the Bible said about it. And I heard over and over again that God loved me. And that whatever sins I had committed that God would forgive me. But I knew then that I was living a life that didn't match the life I was hearing about. When the preachers were talking and my teachers were teaching, I knew I wasn't living that life. And I was hanging around with friends that were not, let's say, help. I'm going to do it this way. 
friends who were not helping me and pushing me towards living the kind of life I knew I probably should have been living. I would bet that if you ask some of the people who knew us and who knew our family at that point, they would have looked at me and said, oh, Alan's a good Christian boy. In his family, they, they seem like really good people. If you'd asked me, though, you would have gotten a different answer. Because I knew that wasn't true of me. And what, where it started for me, I tried to, I tried to narrow it down. I, I, when you're a nine and ten year old kid, you don't keep journals, or at least I didn't. So I can't remember exactly, but sometime around the time I was nine or ten years old, I started having this feeling inside of me that something was missing. And I couldn't define it. I didn't know what it was. I had no way to explain it. But I knew something was missing. And it nagged at me. It nagged at me. And there was this emptiness and this lack of peace. And So when you're going through something like that, our, our tendency as human beings is what? Find something to do to make, help you not think about it, right? Play sports. Watch TV. Do something to get away from that feeling that's making you, that's driving you there. I kept going to church. I didn't stop going to church. Um, I even was asked when I graduated from high school to teach the middle school kids. All the while knowing in my heart that I didn't, I shouldn't be teaching because I didn't know the truth. The emptiness kept growing. And as I went through elementary school and I went through middle school, and you guys know what goes on in those years. High school, hanging around with the wrong kind of people, and my parents, I'm sure, praying that I would you know, start hanging with the right people. Um, the nagging feeling just kept going. There were many, again, y'all know this, but there were many opportunities to get into things that I shouldn't have been into. Fortunately, I never was interested in drinking. My grandfather or my mom's, my, father, my mom's father was an alcoholic. And for me, I, since some of that is hereditary, I'm not going to take that chance. So I was never really tempted by alcohol, but there were, there were drugs, there were girls, there were all the temptations that are available. And so God kept me away from that for the most part. I can't explain why. I don't understand why looking back at it but everything culminated um, it was my sophomore year of college I was living at home going to school Georgia State when I went was a commuter school there were no dorms on, so most of the kids all the kids there unless they rented an apartment you know they came to school and left and I was working a full time job I was going to school and I remember one Sunday night I was 20 years old I remember it like it was yesterday um, I went to church on a Sunday night with my dad. My mom wasn't feeling well. She stayed home. And by the time I got there that Sunday night, that feeling was just, I could not stop thinking about it. I couldn't get away from the, the emptiness is the word I would use for it. The service started normally. We, the church, you know, you sing songs. And then after you sing, the preacher gets up to preach what I remember vividly, and I could do this without notes, but I, since they're here, I'll make sure to read them so I don't mess it up. But the pastor literally talked about what it means to have Jesus in your life. 
And he said, he started off by saying that he said, and he's, all of his verses he quoted come from a book of Romans in the Bible. And he started off, he said, in Romans 3.23, it says, For all that sin and come short of the glory of God. Ding. That was hitting me. I heard him. I, I, knew, I, I knew the verse. I'd heard the verse. But on this particular night, for some reason, something was different. He said, Romans 6.23 starts off with the words that the wages of sin is death. So we're all sinners. And there is a price to be paid for that sin. And the penalty of sin is death. He then said, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates His own love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he forgave me before I had any interest in a relationship with Him. He kept going. He said in Romans 10.9, tells you if you want to have a relationship with Jesus. It tells you how. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So the only part left to question, so to speak, for me, was who was the invitation extended to? He quoted Romans 10.13 says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a pretty broad audience, right? That promise is available to everybody. I had heard all this before. That night, I heard it differently. You call it what you want to. But the part that really got me was near the end of the service. The pastor was getting ready to pray and dismiss us. And, and he, these are his words as close as I can remember but he said, <clears throat> he said, I know there is someone here who is acting like they have a relationship with Jesus. And he says, but down deep in their heart, they know it's not true. I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way before. I felt like I was the only person in the church. And he was speaking straight to me. I couldn't sleep that night. I didn't tell my dad, which was probably not good. But I didn't tell him about what I was dealing with. In fact, I had not told any of my family, any of my friends. But I went home that night, and my bed might as well have been made of nails. I could not sleep. Tossing, turning, trying to get the, that thought out of my mind. And I gave up, and the next morning I called the pastor of our church and he usually took Mondays off so I'm sure he was thrilled to hear from me early in the morning um, but I went to his house and we talked and he said Alan you, you, you know all of this you know the verses you know what we talked about you know all that in your mind you just have to get it right in your heart and so we talked for the better part of an hour and at the end of that time he said well let's pray together And he led me through a prayer asking Jesus to come into my life. And here's the thing, guys. That moment when I finished praying, that moment, all those nagging doubts 
all that emptiness, all that stuff that I had been shoving away back in the corner for so long and not dealing with was gone. And I can't explain that. Knowing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins was then and is still now, it's, it's overwhelming. I can't explain it. I told my parents and my siblings at dinner that night. Uh, my mom started crying. I thought we were going to have to mop the floor. Um, but she was excited about the decision and somewhat upset that I had not talked to her about it before. Y'all understand that. But here's something that I, one of the pastors said to me that morning. He said, Alan, your issue is this. He said, you started with that emptiness. You were hearing the truth, but you weren't changing. You weren't letting it change. And he said, so you were, you were listening to what was being said, but you weren't applying it. You weren't hearing it. Um, I have that same issue. And uh, my daughter's actually 10 now. And I don't know how common it is or uncommon it is. I don't care. This is her. Her big deal is dragons. She likes dragons. A 10-year-old girl likes dragons. Go figure. She has all these little plastic dragons are all over the house. She leaves them out. The dog eats them. It's a wonderful thing. She takes those dragons to school with her every day. And I'm the one that usually takes her in the morning. So it's about a 10-minute drive. And every now and then just to try to get her mind off that the dragon and focusing on it and having a conversation, I will ask her a question. What, which dragon is that? What, all of them have names, right? Girls have, everything has a name. So I said, what's his name? And she answered. And she answered. And she kept on answering. And she went into this speech and I'm thinking, have y'all ever done this before where you ask your kid a question and they just kind of go on and on? And I'm sure your mind has never wandered away while they were talking, right? Well, guys, that's, that's what I was doing with God. I heard it. The problem was it wasn't staying inside of me. It was going in one ear and out there. And I, I knew that night I moved from just listening to what God was saying to actually hearing what God was saying. And for me... Um, my struggle um, that, that, that was the lead up that was the build up that's how I came to know Christ after that uh, just so you guys we're going to that was the first 20 years of my life the last 35 years will go a lot faster um, but I want to tell you some of what's happened since since I accepted Christ I got my college degree. I got my professional designation. Um, I married my wife. I have a 10-year-old daughter, as I just said. I've been with the same company for 34 years, almost. Um, So a lot of good things have happened. But there have been times, and I'm sure you guys, none of you ever experienced anything like this, but there's been times in our lives where there's been upheaval, where something happens and things get thrown out of whack. And for us, the biggest one was when my daughter was born. And you may say, well, that's not fair to her. Well, I'm not blaming it on her. What, I'm, what I want you to hear is that she spent 
a large part of the first year of her life in doctor's offices and hospitals and tests running through her. And I can't talk about that because I get a little bit emotional. But the doctors had no answer. She could not drink milk. She could not digest any of the formulas they gave her. In fact, the last formula bottle we tried it was $100 for a thing that big, and she threw it up. I told Diane, I said, at least for the money, she could have tried a little longer. Anyway, the, the point is, guys, she was, and you're talking about feeling helpless. You know, the doctor said, we asked a dumb question, but then again, we were first-time parents. I guess it doesn't bother you as much then. Um, we asked the doctors, you know, why is she crying all the time? She's in pain. I'm like, are you here trying to make me feel better? That's not working. Knowing that your kid is hurting and you can't do anything about it is a helpless feeling. And Diane and I had to learn through that that you're going to go through events in your life that you have no control over. And the only thing you can do when you don't have control, and I would argue that's probably most of the events that happen to us, is to trust God, is to pray and say, God... We're looking to you. Because we don't know. We don't know. We don't understand that. Um, we both work. Diane is a real estate agent. And I, I work out of our home. We actually both work out of our home. And my wife's day starts when mine ends. Because in real estate, you, walk, you work with people and talk to people when they get home from their jobs, right? So the, the, the difficulty in trying to raise a kid when you're, both of your careers are going all over the place. It takes a lot of work. And we've learned in those day-to-day struggles where sometimes the answer to what we need to do is clear. Again, take it to God. Day-to-day struggles, things you don't understand, it doesn't matter. One of the things that is a little bit more recent, um, I was... The lady that is the president of our company, I have known her for 23 years. We came up through the company together. All the training, leadership training, and all that crazy stuff they put you through. We went through all of it together. And she was in Atlanta. She, they, we were, she was based in time at that time in Rapid City, South Dakota. And she was in Atlanta on a, on a business trip. And she said, Alan, I want you to come have breakfast with me. I have something I want to talk to you about. This is when I had, in the middle of my 30 or so years of actual career, the middle 10 years, I was in sales. You put an actuary in sales. Actuaries are not known as having personalities. You put an actuary in sales. You're talking about a shop in my system dealing with agents. My goodness. it was. But I learned a lot. I learned about how they think. And, and, but unfortunately, and I say that word, Unfortunately, the business part of it, the, the segment I was leading, was was blowing the roof on. I mean, we were averaging 58% growth for like six years in a row. And that's why she called me. She said, she told me that they wanted to consolidate all of the sales under one person. And she said... She didn't say the job's yours because I guess technically she couldn't say that. But basically she intimated that if I was interested, it was mine. <clears throat> I told her, well, you know, she's giving you the rosy stuff, right? 
You're going to be a senior vice president. You're going to make more money, right? You'll have more recognition. And after that, who knows? And I said, that's the good stuff. Tell me the rest of it. And she said, well, your travel is going to go from about 20% of the time to 75% of the time. If you do math, Eliza's 10 now. Six years ago, she was four. I came home that night and I talked to Diane about it. We were actually still working in the office at that point. Um, and I came home and I talked to her and she wanted me to take it because she didn't want to see me, you know, not keep advancing in my career. She wanted me to be happy. And I said, well, that's not what makes me happy. Who cares if I make a lot more money and get a new title and a lot more and, and you know, all the prestige and all that junk that goes with it. If I'm on the road 75% of the time, I'm not going to be here with you to enjoy it. Two weeks later, she asked me for an answer. Tammy did, and I told her, no, thank you. You know, I said, take, take, take my name out of it. Now, you may say that everything in life has consequences. Well, that did. Because the position I'm in now is the position I was in 10 years ago. And you may say, well, you took a, a career a step backwards in your career? And if that's the way you interpret it, that's fine with me, but I did not lose anything. I never had the salary. I never had the title. It was all a theory to me. But people look at it and they say, I still occasionally get asked by the few people that, that knew the situation why I didn't take it because the guy who did take it has turned out to be it's calling difficult to work with and, and leave it at that but guys if that had happened before I was 20 if all the events had led up to it I probably would have accepted that job because at that point, I would my, and I'm just telling you my thought process. It would have been, well, only my wife is going to be affected. Not my wife and my daughter, just my wife. That in and of, in and of itself is that. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, everything changes. Your priorities change. And for me, it's not business. If I lose my job one day, my grandmother used to say, I was looking for a job when I got this one. So I'm good. I'll find something else. Last thing I want to tell you about since I accepted Christ, and this is by far the hardest one. Um, Eddie and I met in October of 2019 at our men's retreat in Georgia. And only, I think, probably... Only the guys in my Bible study and a few in our group actually knew what was going on with me. But that month, that particular weekend, it started on Friday afternoon and ended on Sunday morning. When I drove away from the retreat, I was driving to the funeral for both of my parents. We had actually gone to the beach. We'd never taken Eliza anywhere on the, her fall break at school. And I don't understand fall breaks. We never had them, but whatever. But we, she wanted to go to the beach. We took her to the beach. 
And on, we'd been there two days. And my brother called me. And he said, Dad just passed away. And it was about 8 o'clock on Monday night. Um, no surprise, my mom and my dad were in the same nursing home, same room. And they were both sick, but you just don't know, right? You don't know when, when they're going to die. So I spent a day dealing with the death of my father. And then I got a phone call <clears throat> on Wednesday morning. It was about 9 o'clock. My mother had died. 30, 37 hours apart. That vacation wasn't quite the same as I had envisioned it. My brother and sister said, just stay down there. There's nothing we can do. We're not going to have the funeral until a couple of weeks later. So, you know, as best you can, enjoy your time there with your family. So I left that. I went to their funeral. And my brother and I did the eulogies. And I tell you, it's hard. It's not everybody. Parents passed away. That's part of life, right? It wasn't that my mom passed or my dad passed. It was how quickly it happened, one on the heels of the other. It made it hard to feel like you were mourning for each one of them. And I still, things trigger emotions, right? And if you've had somebody close to you pass away, you understand that. Um, The best thing about all that and all the things I've talked to you about the uncertainty, the job, Eliza being sick, my parents passing away, is I have an anchor to hold on to. The ocean's always going to be doing that, unless you go to the Gulf of Mexico and it's flat. But generally speaking, the ocean, the ocean does this, right? Ups and downs. But if you have an anchor, you can survive. Jesus has taught me through His Word, through the Bible, that He loves me. That He forgives me. And He has comforted me through it, through some of the hard times. And the part that I still, you know, it's hard to get over is that He's forgiven me over and over and over again when I fail. Earlier I said, you know, when you, I, I actually didn't say this earlier, I forgot, but, you know, when you're a sports fan, there's one thing that's always true, right? Professional sports, it comes in seasons, right? The NFL's getting ready to start. I'm fired up about that. But it starts in September, second or third week in February, it's done. Season's over. Season ends. Basketball starts, baseball starts, they all come to an end. If you're a Falcons fan, mercifully, they come to an end. But the love of Jesus, guys, has no season. He loves us always. He loves us in our good and our bad. He loves us in that. That's a, sometimes a hard thing for us to grasp. I got, we did a thing at work a long time ago, back when it wasn't, wasn't a bad thing to talk about your faith at work. And I, the question we were asked at a retreat for some of the leaders was, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And I thought, no, there's a question, right? And for me, what I want people to say about me 
is that Jesus is or was my life. He's not part of my life. He is my life. The offer, as I said in Romans 10.13, where it said that um, for whoever 